Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Ricardo Trios, Miami, Florida, cow chocolate, cacao, chocolate, genetics and flavor profiles, sourcing, bean to bar, and passion. We talk it all right now. Well, you know what? You know what? You are, I looked you up and you are 10 pages on Google. 10. Oh, damn. <laughs> Hope for good. <laughs> yeah. I've never done it, so I don't know. I even found you in Forbes magazine. There's a picture of your hands in Forbes magazine. You're holding some cacao. What is the world, people's, everything's fascination, the love? Everybody loves chocolate. I want to say that nine out of ten love chocolate and the other one is lying, right? Uh, <laughs> That's great. I, I I think it's chocolate is the perfect treat. And what I, for what I've seen in many years in this career is that you can rely on chocolate to every single situation in every moment. To give you an idea, you know, chocolate can, can be shared in a moment of joy or in a moment of sadness or stress. So one thing that I've learned is uh, one of the beauties of chocolate, as far as business, it's, uh, it's recession-proof. Oh, wow. Because, because when you're happy, you eat chocolate, but when you're stressed and depressed, you eat more chocolate. Wow, I never so thought that's about helpful. it that way. Wow, that's awesome. That, that's helpful. Well, we, we started <laughs> sure. We started Cow Chocolate in 2009, and um, obviously, I mean, that was a, a really, really bad year. And besides I, besides thinking that I was out of my mind because uh, I decided <laughs> to start this journey where most of the businesses were shutting down and, and the economy wasn't the greatest, I realized that people are still eating a lot of chocolates. Maybe because, you know, they're stressed out. They say, I need a chocolate. Like some people say, I need a coffee or some right. say, I need a drink. Right. You know, coffee, coffee is one of those. And, and you know, I think... For good, happy, and not so happy moments, people always like to have chocolate around. Where did your love for chocolate come from? You know, I've been eating chocolate all my life. Originally, I'm from Venezuela, so <laughs> right. uh, Venezuelan cacao is known as one of the best qualities. And you know, growing up, just going to kiosk and and whatever local or or or, or chocolate produce in my country, growing up, I mean, it had a great, great quality. So we were used to that. I like to say we took it for granted for many years. And it was after I moved to the U.S. that I realized, wow, man, American chocolate kind of sucks. And <laughs> and I had this, I had this all my life, and and I knew it was good, but I didn't know it was that good. You know what I'm saying? When when we compare, and uh, you know, I never thought that after hearing so many times my mom complaining because I was eating a lot of chocolate, I was gonna end up having a chocolate business. Right. <laughs> So the so the chocolate in America and the chocolate from Venezuela, where you're from, is very different. Yes, because uh, obviously the quality of the cacao used for uh, to produce that chocolate, even if it's a, a chocolate produced for the masses, in the quality is way superior. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. we use local beans, local beans grown in Venezuela, versus uh, mostly African beans for American chocolate. And uh, as far as flavor and complexity. Yes, it's, it's day and night, so you can easily taste the Venezuelan chocolate. You say, wow, 
you know, this is this is different. Same happened with some some, some other countries that are cacao producers, and they have local companies making, you know, chocolate confections. You touched on it right there. The the flavor of chocolate, of course, you can't explain it to anybody, but it's so complex and so diverse because it's it can be everything from sweet to bitter to everything in between. Yeah, I mean, I like to say that there are two flavors in chocolate: how good or bad the chocolate tastes as product for commercial chocolate, and obviously there's a there's a whole variety of flavors when you taste craft chocolate remember in the in the mass-produced commercial chocolate industry you have a lot of ingredients in a piece of chocolate so quick little history on chocolate the history of chocolate begins in a region called mesoamerica or as we know it today as central america and this history goes way back in fact there are records of fermented chocolate beverages that sounds like a good time as far back as 450 BC. Check that out. And the Mexica believed that the cacao seed was a gift from the god of wisdom, and it had so much value, it was even used as currency. Pretty cool. Whether whether you like or not the chocolate, we can talk about sweetness, not so sweet, bitter, not too bitter. Those are those are like the things that we we can describe in that type of chocolate. When you taste craft chocolate, bean to bar or something made with only two ingredients cacao and cane sugar let's say we can go i mean deep down in those flavor profiles of of, uh, whatever those beans are coming from the genetics and some of them can have coffee notes fruit notes uh even vegetables and olives you know it's it's very similar to 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 a fine wine or 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 outside single mild scotch or a good quality rum that's exactly what i thought the same exact thing right it's a i mean it's going through the flavor wheel like we're used to for wine scotch bourbon cheeses but for chocolate of course there's not i mean that's something that we can do when we taste craft chocolate when we go over mass-produced chocolate, like 199 piece of chocolate, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's nothing beyond sweetness or bitterness that we we're gonna taste because obviously, I mean, there are a large amount of ingredients and they're basically fighting with each other to get some flavor profile. So, like you said, like wine, like scotch, like cheese, a developed palate, if you will, is gonna find more. Correct. Someone that likes that kind of flavor adventure is really going to find a lot of complexity in chocolate. Absolutely. I mean, it can be fascinating. If you're into into this wine, scotch, uh, cigars, coffee, coffee, I mean, if you like mm-hmm. specialty coffee, right. you will appreciate good, good craft chocolate too because it's, it's pretty much the same. You're listening to Open Field Radio. So here you go. EcoSwing from Gowan, USA, is an OMRI-approved botanical fungicide created using proprietary plant extracts. Gotta love it. EcoSwing is labeled for use on many different crops to control powdery mildew, botrytis, monolinia, alternaria, and several other diseases. And it's a global leader in fungicidal control of several key pathogens. EcoSwing makes a valuable addition to your integrated pest management program. Add another motor of action to your disease control defense and combat possible resistance from overuse of other actives. EcoSwing. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. So here's something fun. We hope you're enjoying Open Field Radio. And to continue that experience, we've added something really cool at openfieldradio.com. For each new episode, we now have 
playlist. That's right, music playlists that kind of highlight the spirit, the mood, and the thought of the episode. So click on there, check out the music, enjoy it, and hopefully it just helps you continue that experience that you know you love. We're looking out for you, because that's what friends do at OpenFieldRadio.com. Open Field Radio. Well, I think the hidden thing here is that I think we all know chocolate, and that's great, but what can you tell me about cacao. I think many of us would walk right by it and never know, A, we saw it, or B, what it is. But can you give us a a breakdown, a background of cacao? Yeah, I mean, cacao is a fruit that has been taken for granted for many, many years. Uh, It's really exotic. It's not found just anywhere. Cacao grows 20 degrees above or below the equator line. Like I always say, that breaks a little bit that myth about let's say, European chocolates. I mean, (laughs) all that we know as far as chocolate and how, I mean, how beautiful chocolate shops can be in Paris or Brussels or here in North America, Canada, is just about confections. It's just about the final product. But everything starts with cacao, okay, which is the fruit where chocolate comes from. And like I said, cacao is a tropical fruit. So it, it needs heat. It needs humidity. It loves, I mean, a hot environment and that's how the fruit will grow okay so it grows in all the caribbean islands also plenty of countries in south america except for argentina chile uruguay paraguay because they're way too down south of the equator it's cold there okay um also most african countries and some parts of asia as well so this is where cacao comes from uh the beauty of that is Again, it's all about genetics. It's all about the places where it grows. So if we can do a tasting, let's say, from beans from Central America, South America, or Africa, if we if we study the genetics of those beans, we will find out that the flavor profiles can be completely different. But that, that's the beauty of that. In craft chocolate, like I mentioned before, all those notes and all those flavors are, are, are present. And one of the the main reasons why they're present is because most of the chocolate makers like us, we do something that's called single bean or single region, which means that we search from a specific farm in a specific country and we make a batch of chocolate from that. Unlike, let's say, your big chocolate company that sources cacao from different places, mostly based on the price and the quality. And, and that's why... Commercial chocolate has lower flavor profile. It's, it's, there's really no complexity in that. Okay, so obviously that cacao is not that we just remove it from the tree and go. We, we, we start making chocolate right away. No, it has to go exactly like wine, for example, kombucha, some cheeses. It has to go through a fermentation process. That it's uh, when we remove the beans from the pot, and that's a process that's 100% customizable based on genetics, based on the size of the batch based on the flavor profiles that you also like to achieve, etc. After that process is done, you just have to go through another process in the farms, wherever it's grown, which is uh, drying. So the beans have to be fully dry in order to be shipped anywhere in the world. So that's how chocolate makers in any country receive cacao, fermented, fermented and dried, because we'll have to... Um, storage it and we have to make chocolates from that here in the u.s neither the fda or the usda allow us to import the raw fruit in large quantities 
to do the fermentation ourselves. We have to go through a lot of permits and it's time it's time consuming. And let's go back to the Texas example. Fermentation is an outdoor um, procedure mm-hmm. and temperature will damage it completely. Okay, so so it has to be hot and humid in order to for for that cacao pulp and those cacao beans to reach certain temperatures. And if the conditions are not appropriate, it will never be properly fermented. So that's why that's the reason why is this process is done in the same regions where cacao grows. Why all the regulations in bringing in large quantities of cacao? Well, you know, you have to go through certain studies. Cacao is a fruit that is very sensitive to diseases. There's one that's called witch broom, among some others. And uh, they're just trying to prevent that, you know, when you import cacao, there's any issue, there's any any disease that we may not have here in our plants. I mean, we have subtropical plants, let's say, here in South Florida, but we don't want to bring that here. So, I mean, most of the times what they require is to go through a quarantine process. Okay. Okay. Also, keep in mind that once you harvest the, the ripe cacao pot from the tree, I mean, time sensitive, you have a certain period of time just to to go over the whole process. Some people like to wait two, three days, four days before they start the fermentation. But after that, it's like a banana. You know, you go to sure. the supermarket, you buy a green banana. In a few days, it's going to be ripe. Right. Okay. So in cacao, I mean, the fruit is going to be ripe. And the inside, the beans are going to start sprouting again. So it's, it's not going to be good to, to, um, to make chocolate. That's the biggest concern. So if we want to export, import, I'm sorry, uh, cacao from, let's say, Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. if we want to import the fruit for us to, to do the fermentation here, one of the biggest issues that we're going to have is that the shipping cost, because because it's time sensitive, we cannot import those fruits. I mean, we have to go through Permitatera, but we cannot import those fruits, I mean, ocean freight, because it will it will arrive at least in a month. We cannot freeze the cacao in order to arrive and then go to the frozen and then and then ferment. No, it won't. It won't happen. It won't be successful. So the truth is that we'll have to import that cacao via air freight, and as far as volume, it will be, I mean, incredibly expensive. So I mean, price per pound of chocolate will skyrocket. Well, and you said it's it, and as you're talking, of course, what goes through my head between the harvest, the dry, the fermentation processes, it's very much like uh, like tobacco, like coffee, like barley for coffee. scotch, like uh, any of those. Coffee and cacao are cousins. They need exactly the same weather conditions. It's very common that when you walk into a coffee farm, you'll find a few cacao trees or vice versa. That you will always you will always find. It. They need exactly the same weather conditions. So, and, and even notes. I mean, we have some chocolates that they literally taste like mocha without even adding any type of coffee. Any to, coffee. To, to, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's because of the genetics and, 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 and also pollination. I mean, some, some, some people believe that it's not possible. Some people believe that it's possible that, you know, through pollination, cacao flowers, before it grows to the tree, they, they, they're pollinated for a small insect called midget, which, I mean, the, the ideal description is that, you know, this little fly goes over the, the plantation and whatever flower, fruits, or anything going, I mean, growing there maybe can, can, add a little bit of complexity to the genetics of the cacao bean itself. So with that said, I mean, this is something that 
uh, I always like to refer like who was first the hen or the chicken kind of thing. Some people will say, yes, pollination has a lot to, to do with the, the flavor profile. So people will say no. But reality is that we have some cacao beans, especially from <laughs> countries like especially from countries like Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. That Costa Rica, it's, it's well known for coffee, not for cacao. Right. Uh, that these beans are, are, are very coffee-ish. In, in, in flavor profile. That's amazing. And of course, coffee and chocolate go so well together. So why why wouldn't they uh, grow in the same way? Yeah, exactly. I mean, from, from the growing place all the way to uh, specialty coffee shops, I think mm-hmm. for us, chocolate makers, this is the go-to place to, to, to meet people, create partnerships, and and definitely, you know, make, make new friends. Because uh, if there's someone that can understand our madness, like I like to call it, it's, it's, it is it is a coffee people. You know, I, I'll tell you a story real quick. There's a there's a coffee shop here in in Miami. It's called Panther Coffee. It's one of the oldest and the 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 first real coffee roasters. You know, the the pioneers in the coffee industry here in Miami. Okay. Like how chocolate was for craft chocolate because I, I remember at that point. Panther was bringing specialty coffee and we were offering bean to bar and people were like, what the hell is this? This guy's bringing a crazy chocolate flavor. These guys are bringing a crazy coffee. So we don't understand what's going on. And this is something that was happening in other states. I mean, for years. Okay. Okay. So I remember, I remember when I met with one of the owners that, I mean, the guys are super busy and he said, well, you know what? I have like half an hour. If you don't mind, I mean, just bring me some samples and we'll go over there and we'll talk. Long story short, we we I remember we sat down on uh, you know those milk crates uh, on the side of his shop for like four hours talking about fermentation, talking about origins, uh, and definitely creating partnership. Not even here in Miami, but in places that I know they can find coffee or or vice versa. So we get along pretty well with coffee people. That's <laughs> that you do. That you do. That is great. <laughs> There's nothing better than a good coffee. So that's you know? exactly right. That's that's what I'm gonna do as soon as we're done here. That's my next stop is a cup of coffee. <laughs> You're in Miami. Cacao needs a subtropical environment. Is it possible? Yes. Is it possible to grow cacao in the United States? Is there a region at all? It can it can happen. Well, uh, it is possible to grow cacao in um, states like Hawaii and Puerto Rico because remember they're aligned with the equator, the 20 degrees that I'm talking about. Right. Um, inland. U.S. or continental U.S., which is what we call as far as um, solid piece of land, mm-hmm. it is happening. It is happening. I mean, here in South Florida, cow chocolate is being part of, you know, those stubborn people of say, well, you know what? What the hell? Let's try to do this. And in a way, I would like to say that we're very happy because it's happening. In another way, I say that I always have like mixed emotions because you shouldn't. Oh. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. I mean, we're subtropical. And like I said, you know, today we're expecting to be 85 degrees here in South Florida. And it's mid-February. This is crazy hot. This is crazy hot. But this is what the fruit likes. Not us, but the fruit loves the heat. Okay? So with that said, it is happening. It's been happening successfully for the past uh, five years that we've been, you know, growing. I've been sitting. I've been taking care of that and we have a bunch of tree on the producing stages i mean i have uh, plenty right now actually before before 
this call because I'm, I'm at home today. Uh, I have uh, I have a lot of seeds growing and, and sprouting and and I was just watching it and, and it's really cool, you know, that I see that that couple in a, in a couple of years, you know, they're gonna be like tiny little trees and hopefully in a few years they're gonna start producing fruit. What is the cultivation process of cacao? How do you do it? Well. One of the challenges process here, especially in Miami, is the type of soil that we have. Remember, I mean, this is an area where limestone is, is basically the soil. So, I mean, we have to really dig down and, and, and bring good soil in order for the trees to keep it up. Humidity is good. Mm -hmm. Shade is good. So, because here we have a lot of sun. Right. And, but cacao trees are not good to that. I mean, in some areas are, in some areas are not. Cacao trees are, are very novel. They adjust to the environment. So I know some countries that when you walk into farms, I mean, they're not shady at all, but the trees have, you know, managed to to, to adjust to that. Uh, here, they like shade. They like the humidity. And definitely that's, that's, what, we, that's what we do for them. Uh, what I know is that we're 27.5 degrees north of the equator here in, in, in Miami, mm -hmm. but but it is happening. It is happening. I mean, I, I harvest several batches of, of cacao the past two, three years, and um, I've gone through the fermentation, drying and all the way to, to making Miami and chocolate. No, none of that, none of them are, are ready to, to, to be sold yet because we're still experimenting as far as fermentation. Remember, every every batch... Uh, we're trying to do something different as far as as days, temperatures, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and also depends on the quantity of cacao that we that we have ready to ferment. But uh, I'm I'm pretty optimistic that in the next few years, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be releasing at least a, a limited edition bar, but but with um, with a, a a good amount of of units. All all U.S. cacao. Correct. Wow, that's amazing. What are the what are the challenges to growing it here? What's what's the biggest setback? Well, I mean, for us here in South Florida, the soil, I mean, but that can be that can be managed. One of the biggest setbacks that we have here in Miami, like we experienced about three years ago, if I'm not wrong, are the hurricanes. Oh, so hurricane sure. seasons hurricane season is very challenging. I mean, we've had two past years with quiet season. But the wind is a struggle for, for cacao because uh, even the, the flowers are, are, are growing and, 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 you know, strong wind can basically fly the, 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 the flowers away. Right. And, and the means that whatever was supposed to grow there won't happen. Okay, so for us, the wind is very, very challenging. Also, you know, if the temperature goes down to, let's say, 40 degrees for more than five days, yeah, it's gonna be really, really cold for for a long period of time. I mean, one day, two days, the fruit can hold it, the tree can hold it, but when it's uh, over five days, it's it starts becoming a challenge. Oh man, and that but, does happen in Florida. That does happen. We hear it with the citrus industry, of course, and we hear it with all kinds of things through there. Yes, I mean the citrus industry. I mean they have they they have a major struggle with that. I mean they're a little bit further north or or west, so sometimes it's it's when it's when it gets cold, it gets a little bit colder. So they deal with that much more than us here in Miami. But um but yeah, it can be an issue. 
you know, it's more about watching temperatures and, and hurricane season, too. And I never thought about that because cacao grows all through the hurricane region. So I guess they would that would be an issue everywhere. But in Miami, you, know, you guys are definitely right in the bullseye of that. Like there are places like Bahamas, for example. Every hurricane basically passed through Bahamas on its way to, to South Florida. As much as they try to grow cacao among right. some other fruits, it's going to be a challenge. Just it's going to be happen. a challenge. Right. Yeah. I mean, it will happen as far as conditions. It will be ruined the next hurricane season, and and you're gonna go <laughs> over that, you know, every year. So some areas of Cuba are are better for cacao than others for the same thing. Same is in Dominican Republic, Haiti. Is growing cacao is it is it labor intensive? Take a lot of people to do it. it takes a lot of education, and definitely, you know, you have to have a good team to keep an eye on it, and, and you know, have the right conditions for it. So. Like, like I always like to say, in, in the cacao industry, I mean, for us, it's key to, to work with farms that, you know, we, we're 100% sure that the farmers are, are well-educated about the process. Is it harvested by hand? Yes. Okay. And uh, it is, the beauty of this is that it's a manual process. It's hard to be replaced by a machine. Okay, because even even if you pull the fruit out, it's not just like that. You can damage that that part of the tree. Maybe even even grow in the same place again. Maybe nothing will bloom just that specific area again. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it has it has to be done with care. I always have to say that you know these farmers put a lot of care and love into what they do. Sure. So that that's definitely why why we have to appreciate cacao much more. You come from a business accounting background, if I'm not mistaken. So where yes. where was your path from business and accounting to cacao and chocolate? Well, um, the reality is, like I, like I told you, when I, when I moved from Venezuela, I moved in uh, 2004, so it was 16 years ago, basically. Um, I was used to eat chocolate all day, every day. And, and the more that you eat American chocolate, the more that you miss what you had. <laughs> and of course, I was spending a lot of money in, in good chocolate already. So uh, I, my fam- I, I had a family member that used to come visit often. So I always asked for chocolate, 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 chocolate. <laughs> and... Uh, she brought me, yeah, chocolate and cheese. That was, that was the, the two things that nice. I always asked. But but bringing cheese, it was a bit more challenging. You know, like 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 fresh white cheese, like queso fresco or something queso like fresco, that. Queso fresco, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 was, it was more challenging than, than definitely bringing packed chocolate. So she went that route. And she brought me a lot of chocolates, but I think I asked too much that I remember once she brought me a <laughs> six pounds block of chocolate. <laughs> it, it, it was more like a confectionery oh, right, um, right. block of chocolate. So I was like, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, now. And, and, and I said like, okay, I get it. I will ask for more. And, you know, my, I, was, I was still eating chunks of chocolate for fun. And, and my wife was complaining that I was wasting the chocolate. So <laughs> I went online. I went online and started looking up for recipes. I ended up, you know, just making up my own recipe based on what I learned mm-hmm. at that moment because I'm pretty I'm pretty bad at following instructions so I don't like that <laughs> and um, 
so I came up with like a Nash recipe and it started from there. It's for fun. So I was working as an accountant and I used to bring chocolates to the office. Oh, nice. You know, every month, every weekend. And, and soon enough, chocolate turned into, you know, from a hobby the way into a, a way of life, I said, you know, I used mm-hmm. to go fishing a lot. That's why I moved to Miami because of the fishing. Yeah. And I stopped going fishing. I was playing oh, the guitar. No. I stopped playing the, I was playing the guitar in two different bands at the same time. Uh-huh. And I pretty much quit because I was either working or making chocolates, working and making chocolates at home. Wow. And, uh, and it was in 2009. Yeah. Well, I mean, with a little bit more education, more books, self-taught at the beginning, that you know that year was very challenging and my company was acquired by a larger company so they shut down my department here in 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 south florida so got laid off and it's all it took huh yeah i had to do something about it (laughs) and i had i had no clue what i was gonna do because i had a two years old daughter Mm mm-hmm you know, I remember that I received two calls in a week. Someone that heard for the chocolates and they, they needed truffles from a baby shower or something like that. And someone else from a wedding or things like crazy things like that. So I remember telling my wife, you know what, I'm going to take these couple of orders and, and, and I'm going to make some money out of that while, you know, everything gets back to normal. Sure. Obviously, a lot of education, you know, I had the opportunity to travel and doing internships with, with key chefs, started as a chocolatier, but then... I realized that I didn't want my chocolates to taste the same that any other Miami chocolate shop. Mm-hmm. And I was making chocolate for me just for fun. Sure. But then I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start, you know, producing all my chocolate. I'm going to, I'm going to turn hundred percent of beans upon. And that was another way to educate people. And people were like, what the hell are you doing? What is this? And what is that? So at first it was hundred percent Venezuelan cacao. And then throughout the years, we switch and right now we have many many other origins so what's cool here is ricardo's talking about origins and places to acquire different kinds of cacao whether that be different regions different countries different origins but let's look at the origin of the cacao tree the cacao tree is pretty cool is believed to have evolved in the upper amazon region in the area that is now peru ecuador and colombia from there it spread northward probably with the help of the early amerindians across Across the Andes into Central America, where it became part of their diet and culture. And then on to Ricardo. I like to say that, you know, instead of moving forward, the cacao industry, I really went backwards. So it's fascinating, you know, from making a truffle all the way to, to flying to, to a cacao farm and, you know, get involved in the growing process, the fermentation and understanding and dealing with mosquitoes and the heat. <laughs> but, 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 you know, you definitely, you definitely uh, get a different appreciation for, for the craft, for the chocolate. And I think that that's very important from the quality all the way to the human side of the business. It's an eye opener. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, in the chocolate industry, not many people that work in a chocolate shop have ever gone to a cacao farm or haven't ever seen a cacao fruit, you know, in person. So I think something that we all should do in order to respect the product much more. You've mentioned it more than once. Talk to me about the bean to bar concept. What is that? I mean, bean to bar, it's, it, it's basically uh, a person who source tone cacao and start from scratch. Like I always say, literally, we're chocolate makers. Uh, what's the difference between bean to bar and a regular chocolate? Chances are that, to give you a simple example, when you walk into a chocolate shop last weekend for Valentine's, chances are they don't make their own chocolate. They buy 
chocolate chips, chocolate drops, chocolate blocks. They turn that into ganaches. They turn that into confections. And that's what they sell. Vin to bar, we basically make the chocolate that they use. So with that said, uh, it's like a small uh, batch of wine maker or something. Like, you know, we start from the cacao beans, like I said, fermented and dried. That's how we receive it. And then we go over the whole processes of roasting it, you know, then clean the cacao and turn it into into the machines to become chocolate we can you know we can make whatever percentage we like we can make any any origin we like i guess there's a lot of freedom in that we can talk about that and maybe you can say hey ricardo i want a 72.9 percent dark chocolate not 73 and you know we can make that for you for example i guess that's the beauty of that uh you know, we, we start from, from the main, main, main product and we take it from there. Open Field Radio. Like, share, subscribe. More of Open Field Radio after this. Are you looking for a broad spectrum botanical insecticide that controls key insect pests on outdoor food crops? Well, look no more. Aza Direct Botanical Insecticide. Proven effective in university tests as an insect growth regulator, repellent, and anti-feedant listed by OMRI for use in organic production. Accredited by the USDA NOP, it meets new organic guidelines, fully compatible for use in an IPM program, and can be applied up to the day of harvest. Tank makes flexibility compatible with many commonly used pesticides so what about that broad spectrum botanical insecticide you're looking for look no more Aza direct botanical insecticide always read and follow label directions from gowan company cool people having conversations about agriculture and life open field radio and now back to open field radio with our guest ricardo trios of cow chocolate miami what is the key thing to good chocolate is there one key thing that you go yep that's what makes it good it, it, it that's a complex question, but I think the key thing for a good chocolate, it's a high quality cacao. I mean, that's that that's the starting point. Good cacao beans that are well fermented, they they, they will make miracles. They will do because from there we do our part. But uh, but other than that, you know, I think when you have a good base, a good high quality cacao, well grown, well taken care of, you know, successful fermentation. That's key because, to be honest with you, I've worked with a lot of cacaos. And uh, one thing that I heard a lot is this cacao is such and such variety, which is great. But maybe they have a great variety, but the fermentation process or the post-harvesting processes are not the greatest. So with that said, uh, not necessarily the, the, the final product is successful. And also, I've had some other cacaos that, as far as genetics, they're not as great as you may think. But the guy who's working behind the post-harvesting really knows what he's doing and, and, you know, get the best out of this. I mean, you can have a Ferrari, but that doesn't make you a good driver. <laughs> That's a good point. That's well said. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you hand a Ferrari keys to a 16-year-old, chances are he's going to crash it. Right. I mean, it, takes, it takes a few years to learn how to drive that beast. You know what I mean? And, and, and cacao is exactly the same. It's not because you say, oh, I have the greatest variety. It means that the, the final product will be the best. So I, I, I guess a good cacao in general is the, the base of a good chocolate. I mean, it's just a, the starting point for a good chocolate. That's perfect. That's a great answer. That's a really great answer. You've had some fun. You've been on Food Network with Guy Fieri and other things. Talk to me about that experience. You know, it was it was crazy, unexpected. Forever grateful for that opportunity and looking forward to be back at some point. Uh, I received a call. It was actually a voicemail, and I thought it was a prank. 
I was like, yeah, something's going to You know, I was I, I was busy. We were in the middle of building a shop. Uh, we were uh, crazy times, a lot of work, a lot of stress. And all of a sudden, you receive a voicemail of someone says, I'm coming from Food Network and I would like to talk to Ricardo Trias about participating. I was like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> who, who's calling me for calling this? Me. You know, the, right. this is not a good time for a joke. That's, that's all I thought of that. Then they called me again and I was like, hey, yeah, how can I help you? And then this, they, they, they said the whole thing. One of the things that I'm very happy about is that I didn't even know that you had to apply to that show i received the invitation so i was like wow that's something that was really cool that i found out when i arrived there i was like how did i get here right how'd they find you um i mean i guess that's the beauty of doing the right (laughs) things and and you do good and and i guess the universe will will, will throw something good at you back you know because i i asked the other guys they were like oh man i applied so many times like you applied to what (laughs) to this and that's like do we have to apply to this i did that's great i didn't know it's like oh man this is even cooler you know uh i took it like a great experience i loved cooking and this was a very this was a very special show because it was a chocolate episode not necessarily everything sweet which is something that we've done here in miami a lot we me and my wife we've host dinners okay like chocolate dinners i mean from from appetizer all the way to dessert everything chocolate except for molly because that's what people think about yeah. chocolate and savory so we 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 don't like to to make molly just because this is something that people will be already expecting sure that is right where my head went when you said that i thought molly is exactly that that's exactly where my head went 10 out of 10 are expecting molly and uh-huh. we like to break that mindset we said no we can do much more than that and, and and i guess that's part of the success of these dinners when we when we do it from salad from steak from something different it's like it's a day and night so i mean i had quite experience cooking with chocolate and all that i i just went to 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 have fun definitely sure uh, it was great because as i met guy fieri luckily we've been able to connect a few times through food network here in miami uh, where they do their festival sure you know, he gave us a piece of advice that it was awesome. He said, "You know what? This is this is a this is a there's a before and after before this show for you guys. It doesn't matter what happened, you're here and you've been selected over a good amount of people. So don't stress too much. Relax and have fun." Good advice. Spoiler alert: What Ricardo says next does not get any better. His statement is the core of who he is and his passion for what he does and the product he creates. Totally great. I just don't want you to miss it. You're voted the best chocolate of Miami in 2019. That's quite an accomplishment. Yes. So it was it was very nice. You know, it was like chocolatier of the year. We have connected to people in a different way with the sense that, you know, we're not chocolate. We're not a chocolate shop. We're storytellers. And that's something that many of them can't do because they don't know where the chocolate comes from. They can talk about Barona or El Rey or such and such brand. We talk about farmers. We talk about their names, their kids, their dogs, you know, their food, their their customs. And I guess it's fascinating because you can share a lot in a piece of chocolate. You know what I mean? That is fantastic. Wow, that is amazing. That is such a great statement. That it is. And it's a it's from the from the farm to you and from you to us. And uh, yeah. that connectivity and that straight line in that single source kind of idea is powerful. 
And, and, and remember something. I mean, uh, obviously, what we pay for cacao, it's a bit higher than, you know, many, many major corporations pay for it. And that said, we take a lot of pride on, on what we're doing. And obviously, the more that we share those stories with people, the more that we educate consumers, they'll have, they have better choices about their chocolates that they eat. And with that said, you know, we're, we're, making, we're making a change in the industry, or that's at least what we're trying to do. Like creating creating a, 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 a more conscious consumer as far as should I eat this? Is this ethically sourced? Mm-hmm. Is this fair trade? Is there any slavery or child abuse involved in this piece of chocolate? A lot of that is happening, man. A lot of that is happening. But when you don't talk to people, when you don't share that, they don't know. They don't know. And 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 there's great people out there they don't want to make a difference but just they don't know how or they're not informed what's going on so i guess that's the difference between us and any other chocolate shop here in the city because as you can tell i love to talk and i can talk about (laughs) chocolate for days non-stop obviously my passion is a chocolate but 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 i have a lot of passion also for what's behind it What's it. behind? I mean, the respect for the people, the farmers, uh, what they're doing, how we can help them in, 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 in many ways, you know, because I'm coming from a, a, a Latin country, too. So I know I know their needs. I know their limits. Mm-hmm. And having the opportunity now to be here in the States, you know, which has been a blessing for me and my family. I know that there's definitely, you know. Uh, a lot of opportunities here, but also a lot of ways to give back and to, to focus on how we can help these people. That's fantastic. If people want to find your chocolate, how do they find you? I mean, the best way to go is cowchocolates.com because that you will find the whole variety of products from bars all the way to confections and bonbons, truffles, you name it. And then there's a retailer's list where you can find uh, all okay. the shops that are carrying our chocolates and mm-hmm. working with uh, some distribution channels now to hopefully you know, increase their retailers around the country very soon. If you are interested, the link to Cow Chocolate is on the Open Field Radio website, openfieldradio.com. You'll find the link right there. Click on that. Get yourself some awesome chocolate. If you could give people one, one thought about chocolate, what would that be? When you take a bite of that piece of chocolate, close your eyes and think about who was involved in that process. If you can smile, you will enjoy the chocolate. If you cannot, you know what's broken in the industry. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission. 